Palmdale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday, friends, for Torch Report 398 on Haiti, hatred, and holding out hope. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. Friends, there are so many lessons that we can learn from our Haitian brothers and sisters. But before we get to that, I need to kind of work through the headlines a little bit. I read so many different things this morning, things ranging from the uprising that's set France on fire to the dopamine addiction issues from shrinking social security to Supreme Court diversity hires. I've been reading about how humanity is supposedly shifting the tilt of the earth. I kid you not. I've read about how conservatives are using the court system to remake America, how liberals plan on salvaging Kamala Harris, and of course, how officials, government officials, high-level government officials at that are using illegal emails to avoid accountability. I've read all of this, and then I read this article about how these racist, red-blooded Americans need to let the black folk rewrite the national anthem. Now, I read all of that, and I thought, wow, that's... Ah, it's maddening. It's laughable. It's insane, ludicrous. But nevertheless, there was an article out today that was warning about the UN being uh, set to launch a new global framework that demands international cooperation in ammunition management. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to set all of the ridiculous distractions aside, and I'm going to look into this new UN global framework on international cooperation for ammunition management. And of course, you know, as you might expect, taking into the account that this framework, this global framework for ammo management is being rolled out by the UN office. And, you know, given it's coming from the UN office of disarmament, it should be clear what that they're up to no good here. I mean, obviously they're up, you know, what what are these guys up to? Well, they're going to come take away your guns, you know, but to give you a better glimpse of their depravity, if they can't take away your guns, by the way, they're going to take away your ammo. That's where that's coming from this new, they're coming from every angle. Now, to give you a better glimpse of the depravity, friends, I did want to share a few screenshots of the propaganda from the United Nations Office for Disarmament. And Right off the front, hey, friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com. Check out Torch Report 398, and you will see this spiffy screenshot from the United Nations, and it says gender mainstreaming small arms control. They've got a new online training course. You can click here to take the course. Enroll yourself and learn. Another screenshot, there are little slides that were swimming across the front there is a uh, the United from the United Nations Office for Disarmament, they say the Youth Leader Fund. They're they're dumping money into the kids. If you're ready to be a change maker, then you can apply now. And of course, the last little image here is the Leaders for Tomorrow. The United Nations Office for Disarmament has a Youth for Disarmament initiative that's delighted to announce 25 new hashtag leaders for tomorrow. Now, friends, you see this uh, this whole thing with the UN gender mainstreaming gun control and brainwashing these impressionable youths. You know, this is 
this is how they're going to win the long game, right? Because these kids are now going to spend the rest of their lives trying to manage your ammo. And they're going to try to take control of your small arms, as in confiscate them. Friends, this is all part of the blissful world peace that is promised to us in Agenda 2030. Now, according to the Office of Disarmament, they have a 29-page strategic plan. And it, it, they, according to their strategic plan, having a bunch of uppity peasants clinging to their guns and Bible, I mean, <clears throat> uh, clinging to their small arms, that's going to hamper the achievement of several of the Sustainable Development Goals, most notably Sustainable Development Goal 16, but also SDG 1, 3, 5, 8, and 11. And I could go on about the obvious here, but I'm not going to, because I want to point out instead that these collectivist punks have a very methodical plan to impose their will upon the rest of us. Sly, cunning shysters. It would be foolish to underestimate their ambition, to underestimate their funding, or to underestimate how close they are to pulling off this global socialist coup. They're going to take your guns away in the name of peace and public safety. That's just part of the plan. Now, as an interesting side note here, uh, as I was digging into their strategic plan for disarmament, it actually ends in 2025, which I found absolutely fascinating because, you know, Pretty much every other globalist goal is targeted for 2030, but the disarmament goal ends in 2025. Their strategic plan for disarmament ends in 2025. My mind immediately skips from the 2024 hung election and civil war to international interventions to the global responsibility to protect people from extremists. It all comes together in my head, and I have to wonder. Is this just coincidence? Is it just a coincidence that the disarmament strategy ends in 25 and all the rest of the goals end in 23? Hmm, I don't know, friends. Regardless, regardless. This week, just this week, the United Nations has published a report on preventing a co contagion of mass atrocities. They're going to prevent a contagion of mass atrocities. And just real quick, contagion. I remember that... Uh, like Event 201, they did the catastrophic contagion thing. Anyway, so contagion of mass atrocities, there's, there's language in there, but they're going to do this by building, they're going to prevent mass atrocities by building the conditions for sustainable peace. That's a direct quote. Now, how exactly are they going to build these conditions for sustainable peace? It's a good question. And just to be clear, one of the main conditions for sustainable peace is disarming the peasants, okay? Now, the report claims that the cornerstone of this strategy to prevent catastrophic uh, contagion or contagion of mass atrocities, the cornerstone is early detection, early warning, and prevention based on, quote, improved systems for data collection and analysis, end quote, a.k.a greater state surveillance. So they're going to keep everybody safe and help sustainable peace through greater state surveillance. I mean, what would you expect, you know? Now, what risk factors do they intend to surveil exactly? I mean, how are they going to how are they going to prevent contagion of mass atrocities 
build the conditions of sustainable peace with greater state surveillance. What are they doing here? Well, if you were to read through their report, you would learn that they are going to surveil social inequality and food insecurity and discrimination, just to name a few, because, you know, these are the standard social justice issues. And if, if they can monitor and gather data on the, you know, the, the discrimination and the inequality, these social justice issues, then they can prevent a contagion of mass atrocity and and build the conditions for sustainable peace. It's stupid, but that's what their plan is. So, Luke, what the hell are you talking about? Why does this even matter? I'm glad you asked, friends. The reason this matters is because they are using government surveillance to collect slash create the data. And then they use that data that they just created through state surveillance to leverage policy. That's their words, not mine. And and all of this happens in order to justify government intervention so that they can impose their predetermined socialist solutions. In other words, this is how the global cabal is advancing cultural revolution all around the globe. And again, just look at what's happening in France today. I mean, it's all over the headlines. It's all over the news. I don't watch the news, by the way. I read a lot, but, you know, I guarantee it's out there on the news. You're going to see France is up in flames. Or just take a look at any of the other 400 plus significant anti-government protests all around the world. And you'll see exactly where we're headed, friends. A uh, little screenshot here from the Huff Post this morning. Uh, 875 arrests, 200 police are hurt in France's third night of protests over a teen's killing by you, gun violence, right? So you see the cars burning and holy smokes, it's all hell breaking loose. But it's not just in France, okay? The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, their global protest tracker there, you know, over 400 significant protests worldwide. Uh, more than 132 countries have experienced significant protests. Uh, 23% of the protests have lasted for more than three months and on and on and on. So let me ask you this. Do you think that all of this is just a coincidence? Do you? I don't know. Friends, personally, I don't think that it's all just coincidence. So let's go ahead and zoom out. Zoop! Way out. Why, why, oh, why is this happening? Why is the secret global cabal orchestrating all of this chaos? That's what I want to know. Now, the simple answer would be because out of the chaos comes more calls for greater government control. Obviously, there are some major problems if you got 400 and significant anti-government protests, right? And these major problems, global problems even, require major global solutions. And of course, major global solutions can only be achieved by effective global governance. Okay, that's their logic. That's their ploy. They want to create more chaos to gain more control. Pretty simple. Okay. Now, in reality, the social upheaval forces politicians and the public to seek solutions. I mean, if all hell's breaking loose, somebody's got to do something, right? And of course, the solutions have already been prepackaged, courtesy of the UN, the WHO, etc. But more subtle and devious than that is the fact that the problems themselves are being defined by the propaganda. So they're creating the problem to provide the solution, but they're actually defining what the problem is. 
Okay? The problem may not actually exist except for in people's heads, in other words. When state surveillance generates data on social justice issues, when state surveillance generates data on social justice issues, then these data are used to legitimize the social justice warriors and these issues as if they're a major problem. We have systemic racism. Just look at all the data. Well, it's because we've been surveilling discrimination and all this other. It's it's. So like I said, it's very devious, it's very subtle, but this is how they're doing it. And the result of it is unleashed, unhinged leftist politicians and activists who feel justified in telling you what they really think. I mean, they are off the leash right now. For example, uh, and there's a link here in the in the report today, friends, and there's videos in this link. I was going to try to put them in the report, but it wouldn't let me. Now, because they come from Twitter and Substack and Twitter are having beef right now. But get this. Wisconsin state senator, a state senator, okay, Latonia Joson. This woman stood on the state Senate floor and said, fuck the suburbs. Fuck the suburbs. What? What do you mean? F the suburbs, you know? Okay. Minnesota Democratic candidate John Thompson Video of him there in the link today. You know, he's violently screaming at some white suburbanite women. They're just kind of like cowering against their garage, right? And he's screaming about the Grand Wizard and these racist white supremacists. And he shouts, fuck Minnesota, fuck Minnesota, you know? And they're just so angry. And these are just two examples of angry black Democrats openly shouting profanity, threatening and degrading their fellow Americans, and we have to ask why. Why is this happening? The answer is because they believe in their head that they're justified. In their twisted minds, they believe that America is systematic, or systemically racist, and you know America is oppressive. Okay, they believe this because the government and the media have been telling them this repeatedly for years, because allegedly that's what the data show. Common sense and rational thinking become obsolete in the face of rage, do they not? Now, on the note of angry black people, I would like to turn our attention now to the poor people in Haiti. Because according to a report put out by the United Nations yesterday, the world is failing the Haitian people. The world is, it says this, direct quote, collectively, the world is failing the Haitian people. Oh, gosh, you can just feel the empathy and the agony. Oh, friends, before we get into the world collectively failing the Haitian people, I just want to point out that the world failing the Haitian people is really very similar to America failing all of those poor people living in the deplorable in the inner cities, right? There are many similarities like the poverty and the violence and the crime and the addiction and the many victims of color, if you will. But never mind all of that. The whole entire world is failing Haiti. Haiti, as a nation, is half of a Caribbean island. Okay, the whole world collectively is failing half of a Caribbean island, a little nation known as Haiti. Now, I didn't know a lot about Haiti, so I thought I'd do a little looking into it. According to the CIA fact book, Haiti 
is slightly smaller than the state of Maryland. It's home to some 11,400,000 people. It's slightly smaller than L.A. 95% of the population of Haiti are black individuals under the age of 65. Now, just to visualize the small half of an island nation that's slightly smaller than uh, Maryland that has a population just under L.A., I put a little screenshot there. And you know what? It takes me time to do that, to actually create that image. And uh, so I hope you appreciate that. But I thought, you know, visualize it a little bit. It can help. Okay. The whole world has failed this little tiny speck of an island. Okay. Now, Unfortunately, the uh, 95% African, you know, descendants uh, working with the, uh, well, I, I, what am I trying to say? Unfortunately, all these angry black people in Haiti who are working age adults, they would rather do drugs, rape, murder, and pillage the village than do anything productive with their lives. And this has led to a barely functional society, according to the UN. This barely functional society, women and children in this, you know, they're getting, women and children are dying. According to the UN report, people are being raped and burnt alive. That's happening in Haiti right now. And supposedly, the world is failing Haiti. You know, despite the fact that the U.S. alone has sent nearly $15 billion in aid to Haiti, a constant supply of generous food assistance, and of course, more, uh, more than uh, was it, 500,000 pounds, half a million pounds of medical equipment and other vital supplies. I put the links there. This is all the fact. There have been billions and billions of dollars in humanitarian aid dumped into Haiti for decades, coming from all around the world. And yet... The world is failing Haiti. Friends, do you believe it? Do you believe? I don't buy it. You know, Haiti has a very turbulent past, but why can't they figure it out? You know, the U.S. has fingerprints all over Haiti and their turbulent past, Okay, such as, for example, the military intervention back in 1994. It was dubbed Operation Uphold Democracy. Now, I wasn't paying attention to Operation Uphold Democracy back in the early 90s. I was too busy working on the fishing boats up in Alaska. But that said, it, it said that that, inter that military intervention, mil U.S. military intervention 1994, still shapes the country to this day. Interesting they would say that. And supposedly, up Operation Uphold Democracy was one of the crowning achievements of Bill Clinton's administration. Now... The world is failing Haiti? Really? I mean, just like, hmm, what's going on here? So did you know that Operation Uphold Democracy was launched after a military coup tried to oust the first democratically elected radical socialist reformer? Did you know that? You know, apparently that's what happened. And at least according to the New York Times at the time, there was no evidence whatsoever to suggest that the CIA was involved in any way at all. So I guess there was nothing to see there. Now the world is failing Haiti. The world is failing Haiti. Tens, uh, now 10 million working age adults can't seem to figure out how to run their own country. Billions of dollars of foreign aid sustained over decades hasn't been a big enough Band-Aid. We've successfully intervened before, but it looks like we're right back to where we started. And, of course, the deep state had nothing to do with this. So I guess, 
the only thing Haiti has going for it right now is really the the rich deposits in aluminum and copper and gold. And, of course, the fact they can pretty much grow anything they want because it rains all the time, uh, you know, tropical climate and all that. So. I mean, they got all this stuff going for them, but it's it's just it's too bad. It's just really too bad that they're dealing with so much civil unrest, like all those other countries. And you know, it's just really, really unfortunate that their president was recently assassinated. You guys remember that back July 2021? You know, I mean, that's hard for any country to deal with. And you know, I guess the assassinated president that was Mosey, right? He he was dealing with significant anti-government protests, like the ones that are going on all around the world right now. And the courts, uh, you know, the country was in the midst of a constitutional crisis because his election was controversial and all that. You know, evidently, Mosi was ruling by decree. Uh, he had the support of the U.S. government. He was pushing for a new constitution and then he got assassinated. And I just I mean, that's just got to be hard. And I do think it's a little strange that there are three Americans involved in assassination in the assassination, according to the report from the Justice Department. But whatever, you know, anyway, friends, I'm, I'm really glad you know, it's Friday, so I look on the bright side. You know, I'm very happy that the United Nations has brought it to our attention that the world is failing Haiti. And it gives me hope that these poor Haitians, they're not going to run out of foreign aid before they're able to restore their democracy. And, you know, they're going to have to restore their democracy if they plan to meet the sustainable development goals and help us save the planet. You know, hopefully the Office of Disarmament can help them get this violence under control. I'm holding out for hope friends how about you <laughs> friends that is the message of my heart for today there's always hope so let's not give up on hope let's not give up on common sense and good human decency friends if you are enjoying this podcast please take the time click the email go to the website click the heart and give me some love subscribe if you have not subscribed already and of course the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone share it with anyone share it with everyone you know get out there and embrace the rest of this fine fabulous fantastic friday have a wonderful fourth of july weekend friends I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.